Hey, everybody. What's going on? Ears up in depth. Jason and Jeremy are just sitting here waiting for this moment. This is the moment that we've waited for all of our lives, all of our weeks and days and months and years being alive together is to sit down and do these cool shows for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Jeremy? How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm doing good. Plugging along. Yeah, plugging along. It's Friday, you know. <laughs> I'm ready for the weekend. Yeah, me too, man. You know, after a week of sitting in my house, I can't wait for the time where I can just sit in my house on the weekend and just do nothing. Well, my issue was our internet was out for two full days. <laughs> and when you're working remotely, that's challenging. Yeah. So what did you do? Did you like hotspot through your phone or something or what? That was my intention, but what happened was I think there's a knock-on effect because, you know, when you're in an area where there's no Wi-Fi and everyone's using their cell phone, no one can use their cell phone. You know, like the data is just all spread too thin. So, like, I could barely even make calls on my cell phone. Um, So, I mean, it's it's more detail. I figured it out, and then last night at 8 o'clock it came on, and then today I just, like, all the stuff that I had done offline, I just shot off and emails all morning. So I figured it out. But there were some people who were pissed that they had some delays. Yeah, for sure. They got over it. <laughs> That's wild, man. Like when the internet's down for a couple hours, you start getting the sweats. I couldn't imagine two days of no internet. I don't know what I would do. Two days. And like every every three hours, they'd be like, it's going to be on. Like they started off, they're like, it'll be on by noon. And like, it'll be on by four. And then they're like, it'll be on tomorrow morning by eight. And then it was 11 and then it was four. And you're just like, just, you don't know. Just be like, we don't know guys. <laughs> yeah. Now, do they give you a credit? I or- don't know how that'll work because the, the internet here is through the HOA. Like I don't pay for my, it's just comes with the, everybody in the resort just gets it. Gets the thing. Okay. Yeah. So I'm paying for it indirectly. I don't think I'll get anything for it. Oh, I see. It's included under your HOA. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So I wonder yeah. if it was. Uh, I don't know. I was say, I it's just it was like the garbage, but... water, internet, and all just is together. Just rolled into one. So could you upgrade if you wanted to for your thing? Or everyone is at the standard package? I don't everyone's know why. At the standard package. Everyone's at the standard package. Yeah. It's very good, though. Okay. Um, but I could upgrade, but there's no need to. It's very, it's a good internet here. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about HOA internet package. I don't know why that was interesting to me, because I've never heard of that, I guess. Hey, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Don't be, <laughs> don't be shy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, everybody, welcome to the show. We have a bunch of good news for you. Some interesting stuff happening. And then, uh, you know, also some stuff that I think is just very funny. Speaking of things that I feel are very funny, Jeremy, I know you're a big fan of Harmonious. So new- I hate that show. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Yeah. I've seen it once. Yeah. And I haven't gone back to Epcot. Now, partially I've been out of town a little bit here and there, but... It's unheard of. So, like, I came back into town Monday. I was gone. I came back into town. Okay. No, maybe I came back Tuesday. I still haven't been over there. That's crazy. I usually, if I'm out of town, I usually make a beeline. First night back, I go to Epcot because I'm, I'm like, I have no, I'm just over. I'm over it. That show sucks so bad. It's such a hot garbage dumpster fire steaming <laughs> pile of crap. Well, I mean, how are you? You can't let it control you. Like, because isn't that why you moved to Florida, basically? Because you're just such an Epcot head? Yeah, it was, yeah. this is the biggest bait and switch in the history of JPEG. 
<laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad you said something because uh, according to an interview with a Walt Disney Imagineer, Steve Davison, um, from a, a website called Laughing Vice Place. President of Parades and Spectaculars, I believe is his title, Davison. Oh, well, see, there you go. Uh, it was Disney CEO Bob Chapek's idea to use Disney music for Harmonious. Oh, that's on brand. Also, that's not an idea. That's what you do in every park. It's not like, hmm, I'm thinking of something. I got it. <laughs> something no one's ever done. That's not an idea. That's an observation that you duplicated. Correct. I can't. Uh. Davison, while discussing the creation of Harmonious, said, Chapek said, quote, why don't we do a Disney concert? Because you already do 20 of them in every other park around the world. That's why, you dumb bozo. Everyone loves Disney music. Davison then used that concept to create a storyline that would work within World Showcase. And I do feel like that's sort of old news because that quote, I remember saying that before with either maybe in regards to this when Harmonious was first announced. So this might be just someone digging up old news and reporting on it, which does happen. But you know what else I still everybody think likes? Yeah, what? You know what else everybody likes? Toilet paper. <laughs> I like it. You like it, I'm assuming. I love it. Doesn't mean when they did when they put toilet paper all over Cinderella's castle and said Stitch was here that that was a good idea, even though we all have to wipe our asses with it three times a day. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. Well, so you've seen Harmonious. It sorry. sounds like I'm out of a cannon. It it's sounds early. like you love I'm it. Sorry, it's early. <laughs> Well, look, you, you haven't been there. You're, you, 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 you need to relax. That's your, uh, Epcot is your, your Zen garden, and you haven't been there yet. You're on edge. I get yeah, it. Yeah, but if I go there, it'll, it'll send me into orbit. I can't. Yeah. I can't go there. I'll get so angry. I've seen it once, and I walked out so angry. And I was cursing the show, and I'll tell you something. People around me were like, you're absolutely right. This does suck. <laughs> well, what sucks about it? I do want to know. I'm, I, so that's the end of my story is that little blurb. Oh, that's... Okay, so I want to. So no, no, that's fine. I, I, I I'm excited because I want to talk to you about it because you're the only one I know who've seen it, and uh, you are very much like me with uh, with regards to some things where it's like it needs to be perfect or at least tolerable, and if it's not, the whole thing is just trash. It's not tolerable. It's intolerable. It's insufferable. And there's a lot of different opinions going on out there about why it's maybe good or not so good uh one of the things that you hear people saying is oh well it's a great it's a great show on its own it's just not in the right park and i actually take issue with that because i Mm. don't think that if you first of all i think that ignoring the amazing location is is a mistake in itself like if you don't take advantage of where you are this unique place where you've got 11 countries in a circle if you're not taking advantage of that to build this show, yeah. that's a mistake already. You're overlooking the most one of the most important magical parts of that park that's so unique to that park. And if you don't take advantage of that, you're already falling flat on your face. You go to four miles down the road at Magic Kingdom, they're doing everything they can to incorporate the buildings of Main Street USA with the projections and everything else. Like they're, they're, they're clawing at the surroundings, and it's not working. It's clumsy. Here... Harmonious turns its back on its beautiful surroundings. So, okay, so let's say it does that. Let's say, oh, but it's a beautiful, it's Disney music, it's fountains, it's laser light. Okay, fine. It's, it's, it's a water show with projections and some pyrotechnics and it's Disney music. Sound familiar? What, world of color. <laughs> 
But if you took this show right. and put it in DCA and said, guess what, guys? World of Color goes away. You get this now. No one would be happy. This show sucks. Really? World of Color is a good version of that. This is not a good version of that. Forget about the fact that it's in the wrong place. It, there's no place for this. It, it's terrible. You know what it is? So I'm going to, I'll quote you from my, I wrote an article. You did. We talked a little bit about this on the last show. I mean, I've already, already started to talk about some of the points in it, but um, the thing that bothers me the most, I'm just going to read. It's almost, it's almost possible to feel bad for the nations of World Showcase. All day, standing quietly on the shores of the lagoon, they try peering up over the grotesque barges that have quite literally barged their way in front of them. Now those nations, with their proud cultural exchange representatives inside, are nightly being forced to sit in the darkness until Harmonious mercifully ends. The setting Harmonious performs completely unaware of its own surroundings. Epcot, unlike any other venue, offers the unique ability for a show to take place in 360 degrees, surrounded by the beautifully crafted World Showcase countries. These 11 pavilions have historically had a prominent role in the shows. This is another thing that bothers me. And now they've been shoved to the background, barely twinking. They take a backseat to the boisterous Disney tunes playing in every other park's nighttime spectaculars. So, great idea, JPEG. <laughs> Why don't you build a castle in Epcot, too, you dope? Um, musically harmonious also lacks any original theme song. So here, take away its surroundings. We get it. It doesn't fit in Epcot. Fine. Mm -hmm. But musically, it doesn't even have an original theme song. Even World of Color binds together the many songs contained in the show by opening and closing with a familiar refrain. Not harmonious. Harmonious just starts. And when it runs out of Disney songs, it stops. How many times have you caught yourself walking out of a park singing the tune to Happily Ever After, Reflections of Earth, Wishes, or World of Color? No one leaves humming harmonious. There's nothing to hum. <laughs> it has no personality. It's so stupid. Harmonious is the one-night stand of nighttime spectaculars. You don't love it. You don't remember it. You probably won't see it again unless you get drunk. Yeah, had a pretty explosive ending, but it didn't mean anything. Well, I kind of like it now. Rather than being a reflection of Earth like Illuminations, Harmonious is more a reflection of the guests. Like so many drunk Epcot guests arriving in ever-increasing numbers, Harmonious is loud, bloated, vapid, meandering, covered in mouse ears, and uninterested in, unaware of, and unconnected to the countries in front of which it is embarrassing itself. Wow. That's my take on Harmonious. Heavy-hitting it's terrible yeah it sounds like and i i guess i don't understand why i mean i i know why and you explain why like like you know give examples or whatever and i understand that but what i'm saying is i don't understand why something like this was presented why it took so long for something so lackluster to be to be plugged in and be here this is what we've been spending what i'm going to assume is Hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. It's more than, it's, I think it was well more than, I think it was a hundred million dollars. Wow. By some reports are that it was a hundred to 200 million. Wow. Um, I mean, maybe, look, maybe that explains the Disney music. They're like, okay, here's our budget. It's all taken up in these barges that don't go anywhere. Uh, let's shave some points here and use the Disney music. I don't know. But I just, I guess I don't understand. I would like to think that Disney executives have, or at least are more in touch with, 
what the guest experience should be, especially in a place like Epcot. I think in Disneyland, you can you can get away with some of that stuff, like the projections on Main Street, which look terrible, because we don't, in my opinion, we don't really have the, this is going to be a hot take, like the history or the passion for those nighttime spectaculars like you guys have. You don't? I don't think so. I, I the, the most I've ever heard people talk about Disney shows is like Illuminations and, uh, you know, basically just stuff like that. Nobody, I mean, people talk about Paint the Night, but that was like, okay, whatever. Fantasmic, maybe. Um, but I feel like we could do something. Disneyland, I think, lends itself more to the Disney music side. I think Epcot does need its own music and its own crafted thing. I guess it's really what I'm saying. You guys are sort yeah. of used to that. We're not used to that, in my opinion. Right. It just feel it feels out of place. I mean, world of color. These shows make sense in their surroundings. You're in a you know you're you're interacting with these characters all day. You're not the the story that Epcot tells is different from any other park. Right. That's yeah. Right. And so to cap it off with a story that all the other parks tell seems disjointed, and it doesn't it doesn't match the experience you've just had all day. Although I think they're trying to make it more of that experience by bringing in Remy. Although Remy's oddly not in the show like this is the other thing the musical <laughs> selections they picked are off uh you're wondering why they picked certain music for to represent different pavilions and then there's several pavilions which are completely ignored that had the opportunity to be presented so that's weird uh it, it, it's just off in so many ways and it, there are glimmers i mean yeah the coco segment is great we have mexico there's a Coco segment and the music in okay. Coco is undeniably great. I love it. And yeah. that, so there's like what, 30 seconds of that show that I'm like, this is nice to look at. This isn't gross to me, but <laughs> I still think it could have been executed better. I mean, Coco yeah. takes place there. The, even the country of Mexico doesn't even get lit up during the Coco segment. Like there's no, it's almost like it, it's just ignoring that country that it's in front of. It's like, why didn't you make more of a direct connection to what's happening here? You know, and I that's the, and that's the point I think is that like you can do that in Disneyland because there isn't anything like World Showcase, and I feel like if you are in a setting like that, you should have nods to the locations where the music is you know inspired by or culturally working with, like what you just said, the Coco, light up the Mexican Pavilion, do something, have some like colorful spots coming or whatever, right? Right. And we know that they do that. They've done that in the past. We know they can do that. I even even in Reflections of Earth, which didn't really tell a story about different countries, but at the point in the history of the world when humans arrived and established civilizations, the countries all lit up. It tell it told the story. It was like that's what the countries were there. I always felt like the the countries of World Showcase were telling me a story, mm -hmm. and now I feel like they're being ignored. I don't know. I think it's um. It's it's a it's a rough show. I read an article by a guy named Tom Bricker. He was much more measured in his critique, although it was <laughs> than I was. Um, but at the end of you know, overall, his point he was he was criticizing it. He does yeah. you, you can tell he doesn't like the show, but he was more measured. He said that it was heavy handed, missed opportunities, and that that it was almost like it. They made the show for the technology. They didn't make the technology to show the show. So it's like he said that those barges in that big ring are solutions in search of a problem. Sure. And so then they had to put this on it and none of it. It's just it's awkward. It's very awkward. 
It does seem like, uh, hey, we invented this new technology to we could do a show with it. Let's make a show that involves these things while we build this thing. Right. Yeah. And all the, all those stories could have been told with other technology that isn't so imposing mm-hmm. and isn't so odd. I, there's these big arms moving around in the show. <laughs> doing like makes no sense it's it's horrible and the thing that's the thing is living here you're right i moved here because i love your i moved here because i love that place and the thing was i don't spend all day there ever i usually go over in the evening have a drink and watch the show well now i don't like to go watch the show so now i don't go oh meanwhile i'm going tomorrow but (laughs) (laughs) i'm just about that so what are you gonna do but it sounds like uh you just you just need some separate time you need some alone time to gather your thoughts and to really sort of uh, reimagine the relationship. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm going to reimagine it. Anyway. Well, Jeremy, I'm glad you saw it. I still, well, maybe I'll watch a video of it for our next stream or something like that. So I can, so I can share the pain. Yeah. What if I love share it? What pain. if I just absolutely love it? I feel like you would, even if you didn't, I think you would say that you loved it to <laughs> wind me up. Do you think I do that? I would do that on purpose. Well, for a little while. Anyway. Yeah, no, I would do that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about a brand new movie that's coming out eventually. It's in uh, development. Okay. David Gordon Green is set to direct a movie at Disney Studios for Disney Plus about Walt Disney's journey to building Disneyland. Oh, yes. I've heard about this. In an interview this week with Collider, Green said the movie will focus on Walt's relationship with his brother, Roy Disney. Quote, it's about the brotherhood of Walt and Roy Disney. And it's interesting because you see, and even I saw the headline yesterday. I was, wow, that does sound. I was thinking this cool, artistic, collaborative brotherhood story. Then you look at it as it's written and think about the institution that Disney is around this. And you're, no, that's a big story. (laughs) whatever he's saying. But to me, it's how do these two guys engineer something that became Disneyland? So I think he's just really having a hard time with this uh, interview. Um, (laughs) But it sounds like you go, Oh, Walt and Roy must've worked together very, very well. Turns out. No, they, (laughs) they really didn't very well. Um, But they still came together and made Disneyland, even though they butted heads a lot. I think that's sort of what he's trying to say, Um, which he's right. That is definitely, I mean, that's, that story where you have, you know, two people, especially in a family that are that have this static, uh, you know, one wants to do a, the big thing. The other one says, no, we don't have the money for that. And the, uh, the one who wants to do the big thing goes, well, we're doing this thing. Figure out and make it work. There's got to be tension there. And I think that's, uh, you know, it should be fun. Uh, well, it's like Michael Eisner and Frank Wells. Yeah. Um, into his yang. <laughs> Green said the film will focus on the creation of Disneyland and less on how the park has changed over the years. As for the timeline of the film, Green said, well, it has yet to be written, so that's kind of evolving, but it's basically the creation, the construction of Disneyland. So that's a several-year project <laughs> for sure. So it's not even written yet. He's just just signed the contract to develop it. So we're we're looking at a while, but I think that could, yeah. I mean, that could be really neat about sourcing, you know, the the land and figuring out I mean, I wonder how far back it's going to go because, you know, he wanted this like quarter-acre park on the studio lot first. Mm. I wonder if it's even going to be that and then how it just developed into, well, it's coming bigger, it's becoming bigger, it's becoming bigger. We need to move it entirely over here, which sort of follows the evolution of Disneyland anyway. It's just, it's just getting bigger and bigger as the ideas like grow. So um, I think you could do a lot with that. 
knowing Disney, there'll probably be like 20 minutes of exposition about like how we got to where we are. Like, you know how they just like, did you watch Jungle Cruise? And you just keep having to listen to the story over and over. And you're like, just, we get it. Uh, The news comes days before Gordon's Halloween Kills opens, which is the sequel to the highest grossing Halloween movie of all time. It was released in 2018 and racked up $255.6 million. So like on the eve of his new movie opening, he pins a he pins a deal with Disney. I don't know. I think it's this guy's a this guy's a mover and a shaker, as they say. <laughs> Evan Spilatopoulos, who has a history writing on such Disney projects as The Jungle Book Two, Pooh's Heffalump movie, Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure. <laughs> you know those classics. Oh my God! All these <laughs> <laughs> and the one the one point two six billion grossing live action reboot of Beauty and the Beast is set to write the film. Calvary Media and producer Jason Reed spent a year developing the pitch before bringing it to Disney. In addition to this untitled Disneyland movie, he's also making a new trilogy based on The Exorcist, which I don't necessarily think that movie needs a trilogy, but whatever. Uh, There's the conclusion of his Halloween trilogy, Halloween Ends, which I guess hasn't even been out yet. And an HBO coming out soon. Uh, well, Halloween Kills is what just opened, I think. Oh, that's what's out now with yeah. Kyle Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's also doing an HBO series based on the Hellraiser movies. Which, is that the guy with the pins? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pinhead. Yeah. Uh, and he works on the comedy series The Righteous Gemstones, which I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's very funny. It's is very that like funny. The Righteous Brothers? No. It's with Danny you McBride. You never close your eyes <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like... Um, I think it's like evangelical Christian, like uh, I think they, they run a church, but I can't I can't remember if it's like they're scamming everybody or it's just like the juxtaposition of their lives versus how they have a, I don't know, I can't remember anymore. It's been a while, but it was it was funny. It was a funny series, but that guy's doing a lot, man, from Righteous Gemstones to Hellraiser to Disney. He seems to have a lot cooking. I don't know that he can handle all this. That's sort of what I'm saying, too. And the article basically was like extrapolating, you know, the timeline where he's saying it's a several year project. And then he has a a trilogy coming, a Halloween movie ending, another trilogy coming out and a series coming out and the Righteous Gemstone series. That is a lot. I mean, I have a problem editing two shows in a week. Right. Yeah. That's why I'm not a, a heavy hitter in the podcast world. Right, you should have six podcasts coming out if you're anything like this guy. <laughs> I know, right? But I, you know what? Here's what I think. Well, yeah, it does. Although it doesn't sound like anyone is creatively involved that was involved in this. But I love when Disney looks back at their own history. The movie Saving Mr. Banks is one of my all-time favorite movies ever, and it sounds like it sort of has that kind of appeal to it. That's the first thing I think of when you talk yes. about this, and I love that movie. Yeah, and in fact, the the interviewer asked him if he's gonna, or if he's thinking about Tom Hanks as the role of of Walt, and he said, "No, nah, it's been done. I don't want to do that again." So <laughs> okay. I don't know who he's gonna get to play Walt. I mean, because Tom Hanks was sort of like the guy, but then also I'm sort of glad because that just I think that would have been too, I think Tom Hanks gets too much work. Yeah, but <laughs> you know? is that merit based? I mean, he he's pretty much really. <laughs> People liked him as Walt Disney, which yeah. is, I think, why that question comes up. Uh, that's exactly why, because so. a, a lot of people, once they heard this project happening on social media, they're like, oh, my gosh, Tom Hanks should get it. There was like a rumor. And so yeah. the interview asked him, he's like, no, it's been done. And that's probably not what we're going to do. Okay. Because also it's seven, it's 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 three or four five, six years away. You know, Tom Hanks is only going to get older. 
Right. And this actually takes place a few years before that movie. Right. Was set. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it's just, you know, we're going to have to put our trust in him. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know what I put my trust in? The 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. This refreshing year-round release, Tropical IPA, is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. All right, Jeremy, what do you got for us? Well, I'm not leaving Epcot just yet. <laughs> good. Okay. All right. A time-honored tradition will make its return to Epcot this fall, not seen since 2019, the Candlelight Processional will once again return to the stage of the America Gardens Theater. Wow. The Candlelight Processional has been a Disney tradition since it debuted at Disneyland back in 1958. But of course, it has expanded to Florida and now takes place over a month during Epcot's Holidays Around the World celebration each year. The show features cast members performing from around the resort mixed with talent from high schools to form a choir and orchestra that performs along with a celebrity narrator. Each year there's various narrators and we have our first batch of celebrity narrators have already been announced for this year's engagement. Oh. Are you ready for the list of yeah. the first? Yeah, I always love reading this stuff, man, because sometimes they get some weirdos and sometimes they get some <laughs> really good people. And so I, this, it's a good mix and I'm really ready for it. Let's go. Coming up first, we've got Cheetah Rivera has confirmed. I don't know who Cheetah Rivera is. <laughs> Cheetah, Cheetah, like the animal? C-H-I-T-A, not C-H-E-E-T-A. Cheetah, okay, Cheetah with an H. Cheetah Rivera is an American actress, singer, dancer, best known for the original originating roles in Broadway musicals, including Anita in West Side Story. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Jody Benson has signed on. Do you know who that is? Jody, I do not know Jody Benson, no. She's the voice of Ariel. Oh, okay. In The Little Mermaid. Okay. I've, I've heard of The Little Mermaid. Definitely heard of that. Okay, good. Alton Fitzgerald White is a, another Broadway performer who gets a lot of airtime during the Spectra Radio Jazz Brunch because he, ha he has a Disney jazz album that he did of covers. Lisa Ling. Stephen Curtis Chapman. That guy I don't know, but I'm go so I'm planning on going on Christmas Eve and he is the narrator on Christmas Eve. So I actually would like to know who that is if you don't mind uh, he's, looking uh, it up. Uh, oh, I mean, I know exactly who he is. I don't have to look it up at all. <clears throat> he he's, sounds like he assassinated a president. They always have three. <laughs> really do. He's uh he's a uh, an American contemporary Christian music singer, songwriter, record producer, actor, author, and social activist he's won five grammys and 59 gospel music association dove awards more than any other artist in history okay yeah so there you go should be two good. more that we know of blair underwood and blair underwood why do i know that name is that i think he was on la law Check it out. Have a look-see. Blair Underwood uh, is not that. Carrie Underwood's uh, brother. Blair Underwood, he, he's an actor. He was in L.A. Law. Yeah, look at you, bro. 
Boom with the 80s trivia. Set it off. Deep Impact. Medea's Family Reunion. Uh, City of Angels. Yeah, he has a Grammy. He has a, an Emmy Award. Damn. And finally, of the first batch that we know of, will be Pat Sajak from America's Game, Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> wow. Okay. Pat Sajak is, is an alum. He's done this several times before. Also, um, so is uh, Jody Benson. Okay. Of course, there are still several more slots open, and we await those announcements. Past years have featured notable celebrities such as Felicia Rashad, Edward James Almost, Kurt Russell, Gina Davis, Sigourney Weaver, John Stamos, and, of course, my favorite, who I have seen in person, the wonderful, the talented, the dashing Gary Sinise. <laughs> oh, man. That would be good, man. Uh, when are we going to get our back. invite? We should, if you know, we need to do it. It's a tag team. It's a duo. Get up there and <laughs> you and me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should narrate it. Maybe we should do that as part of like an ears up Christmas special oh this year. God, let's do See, that. Now, now you're thinking. Yeah. I have no idea what they say, but I think we oh, can do it. I have the script. Yeah. Okay. You have the script. Let's do it. It's but- the Christmas story. It's basically the gospel according to Luke, isn't it? I think it's like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, and they read like One Solitary Life, that poem. Sounds like my entire history. There's One Solitary <laughs> Life. <laughs> A Jason Petros story. <laughs> uh, but also returning yes. this year are candlelight processional dining packages. Oh. Four different Epcot restaurants will be participating this year. Germany's Beer Garden. The Coral Reef Restaurant at the Seas Pavilion, the Garden Grill Restaurant over in the land, and the United Kingdom's Rose and Crown Dining Room will be part of the dining packages that include guaranteed seating for the show, an appetizer, dessert entree, and a non-alcoholic beverage. Prices range from $62 to $74 per person for adults and $25 to $46 per child, ages 3 to 9. Booking for the dining packages begins October 26th. So is that so, that's dining package plus the processional, which I imagine is separate. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you. So if you're there and you don't do a dining package, you kind of have to line up and hope you get in. Um, but if you have, th- if you do this, you're you have assigned seats. Oh, got it. So, okay, it's a nice little thing. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take my mom on Christmas Eve. Oh, uh, nice. but there, it's interesting because the cast members are cast members are part of it. And one of my friends tried out, and then last night because this is Orlando. You can't go anywhere without hitting a cast member. Right. I went to spin class last night and the instructor's, of course, a cast member. And then some guys in there and he's like, oh, I just got back from candlelight processional rehearsal. And I was like, OK. We can't <laughs> so they're all around us. That was processional singers. Do you ever feel like you're, you're infiltrating, uh, yeah. you know, where you're like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, no um, cast members. <laughs> me too, man. <laughs> Totally. I feel like you've got like imposter syndrome where they just assume that you're a cast member because you're out well, and That's the first question anyone asks you here. <laughs> Good. Like, yo, it's like, oh, are you a cast member? No, I'm just no. a person. <laughs> and, they just, and they're like, what? They just pivot on their ball, the ball of their foot, spin around and just walk right away. <laughs> you're just left in the, in a cloud of dust. Shaped like you're... them. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right, Jared, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, I have a great story yeah. about the uh, Disney Genie app. That detail's been released, and I want to talk about the Muppets Haunted Mansion, which I, uh, well, I'll, I'll save it for uh, when we come back. Hang on, everybody. It's uh, Ears Up In-Depth. We'll be right back. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In-depth, reporting Disney news that's probably not made up. That's right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Oh, that ends pretty fast. <laughs> Should edit that. <laughs> like, oh, I thought we had a little time to lounge out yeah, a little bit, but yeah, I guess we don't. Uh, Jared, the long-awaited details of the new Disney Genie app have been released, and the company is putting to use its 60-plus years of crowd statistics to work, giving us a better way to plan our next trips to Disneyland and to, of course, Disney World. And I'm excited about this because I had no idea. There was a lot of like uh, assumptions of how this was going to work, um, but we finally figured out, uh, because Disney told us, exactly how things are going to happen. So what you, you, you download the app, you get to the park or maybe the day before or whatever. You feed the app with all of the things you want to do. Ride, shows, uh, even places to eat, which I thought was kind of cool. Hmm. Uh, then the app checks the availability of all of the junk you want to go see, combines that with, <laughs> with crowd levels, and even you know, all the junk, all that garbage that you enjoy. Processing your crap. Wait <laughs> one moment, please. Yeah. Flush. Um, and even uses historical data in order to forecast how the day in the parks could possibly be impacted by the crowds. And then it spits out a full day of fun with everything you want to do at that Disney park. There's also a couple of cool features in the app that make this more than just a trip planner. If, say, at the beginning of the day, you told the app you wanted to do Autopia. And then, let's say, halfway through the day, your concussion symptoms clear up and you realize, hey, I don't want to do this at all. What was I thinking? Well, you can get into the app and replace Autopia with another ride, and the app will show you the wait times of other rides within that time frame. So by you coming out of your senses and not wanting to ride Autopia, it doesn't throw the rest of your timeline off. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, which I think is pretty neat. So it'll just it's like a plug-and-play sort of thing. Like, well, Indiana Jones is free at 1 o'clock, and so now you don't have to do Autopia. You can go there. Uh, Disney Genie will also show you wait times of all the rides in the parks, Plus, when they are forecast to have the shortest wait times possible, which I think is pretty huge on the surface. But then also, if everyone has the cool data, is the data even cool anymore? I mean, the point of that feature, I, I imagine, is to make the lines more consistent with no valleys in that data, in that, in that crowd data, right? So it's not, eventually, I think the goal is, it's going to be a consistent half an hour wait for Indiana Jones throughout the entire day. Instead of a 60-minute, then a 25-minute, then a 40-minute, you know what I mean? Well, and they they just tell – you tell – this is interesting to me because you tell it what you want to do. It doesn't necessarily just say what time of day you're going to do it. Right. So Disney can shuffle you around that board like they want to to create the best experience. So it seems like this should have some effect on crowds because they're putting people where they – want to fill those gaps oh you wanted to see that okay we're gonna send you over here you know yeah exactly for sure and especially with with the the crowds in the lines because if you're typically busy during the the middle of the day but you have something else that isn't you're probably maybe you're gonna eat that time of day or whatever and so it's yeah it definitely is working on that and it's funny because 
the article I read was like, oh, it's 60 years of lines and, you know, line data. It's like, don't tell me that in 19, you know, 62, right. they were collecting data on crowds. I don't believe it. Right. And also the crowds in 1962 or 1955, for that matter, are very, very different than they are now. So don't give me that. Don't give me that whatever. Um, right, but they do have a pretty decent history. They, of they, how things oh, work. absolutely. They know exactly what's going on. They, I mean, right. I would, I would guess for the last 20 years, they've been collecting, you know, crowd data, if not even more. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they yeah. just asked Kyle to send him that spreadsheet. <laughs> I got a spreadsheet. You guys, he still <laughs> held an app. It. Goodbye. Yeah. He still updates it. Uh, if you're you worried, you'll be locked into the plan set in motion at the beginning of the day. Don't worry about that. Disney Genie will make recommendations to you for changes to your itinerary throughout the day. So you'll always have something to be looking at on your phone. It will even make eating recommendations based on your location at the park, which I'm sort of less enthused about these sorts of things like the recommendations, especially for food, uh, because I, I, I know where the food is, right? I know what I want to eat. And I really don't want to get pinged that I can have a, a burger with gray looking meat in Tomorrowland and it's all smashed down and the bun is gummy. I don't, I don't want this. I don't want that stuff. Hopefully some of these options you can turn off. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah, you, hopefully. if you're walking like, Hey, you're, you're right by pirates. You can go on pirates if you want. Like, I don't, I just did. I don't, I don't know. I wonder how the data actually works with regards to where you've been. And if you can turn off some of those functions, like I just want the trip planning thing. Right. Don't tell me where well, to eat. Well, you maybe I'm sure you can probably do that. And I would imagine maybe you set up a profile that says, what are your favorite restaurants? What are your least favorite restaurants? Mm. And so it will oh, avoid, that'd be cool. you know, that would be kind of neat. Do yeah. you like thrill rides? You know, do you because you might not. <laughs> it's true. If you're curious about the choices being made by the app. It will explain the reasons. It will explain itself, Jeremy. This is a sentient being in your pocket. Uh, and apparently you can jump on a live chat with an employee, with a cast member, if you have questions. Yeah. Have you ever chatted through the Disney app? No, I don't think I have. It's a horrible experience. <laughs> they, they can't help you. You're like, oh, I have a problem. I can't figure this out. They're like, oh, we don't know. We it's, don't it's, know. I've tried it many times. It's a disaster. Like, I, I, wonder, I wonder what maniac is going to jump on and go, why did, you, why did you tell me I should go uh, you know, to Small World when I was in DCA? <laughs> like, why, how do you uh, – it's weird to me. But it is a cool option because it's, it is sort of – at least you don't have to wait on hold, right? You know, call the customer service and you mean and, and get nowhere also. Yeah, but it's probably like a chat representative will be with you in 25 minutes. Enjoy <laughs> your battery draining now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the app also lets you set up a full day of park hopping, which I think is a nice detail. Yeah. The $20 per ticket Disney Genie Plus service allows guests to skip the line at one of the over 15 attractions in both DCA and Disneyland at a time. So you, you skip one and then you have to go and plug another one in. You can't just, you know, do multiple ones. Uh, Honda Mansion, Big Thunder Mountain, and Millennium Falcon Smugglers 1 will be included in Disney Genie Plus with other attractions to be announced at a later date. So you book one attraction at a time with the uh, Genie Plus service and make another selection after that attraction, right? If you happen to make a Genie Plus selection, that won't happen for four hours or more from the time you booked it. So like in the morning and you're trying to do this at night, you can make another Genie Plus selection two hours after you make your initial choice. I don't know, man, whatever. And if you don't want to use Genie Plus uh, at all, You'll have to purchase Lightning Lane passes for a very limited selection of individual rides. 
To make matters even more confusing, those individual rides aren't even included with Genie Plus. This means you'll be stuck paying another fee in addition to Genie Plus if you want to experience attractions like Space Mountain or Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. So if you have if you have Genie Plus, you're, you're still going to have to pay for a Lightning Lane pass if you want to like skip some of the lines. Get you on both yeah. sides, man. I have a question. Does this yeah. app, does Disney Genie replace the Disney World app that I have that I currently make reservations in and all of that? That I don't know. I think it's a separate app. <sighs> That's annoying. I think. I don't I don't really know, honestly. Oh. Well, I hope it's not. Remember when Foursquare Yes, split. They were like, "Oh, well, you're gonna have to use Beehive, whatever." It was. <laughs> Remember, they were like, there was something else. Force was like, "You can't check in anymore. You have to go use the other app to do that." And everyone was like, "Peace, Foursquare. We're not doing two apps." <laughs> I hope that that doesn't happen here. Yeah, um, it sounds cool. I mean, it, you know, it's it's about time that Disney sort of uses, I guess, AI to you know to sort of help everybody because there's a lot of little boutique businesses that are set up around this which is you know good and bad it's good for the customers but bad for them that disney genie plus is out but i still think that we're going to see a lot more service oriented uh you know options with with these third party people um you know doing doing basically what concierge does like we're going to do everything for you you don't have to worry about it um you know because there are like I forget the name, but there are services that you can buy that will plan a route for you. And this basically just mm. eliminates that. Yeah. And gives to you for free. I mean, it seems like an interesting thing. I, I like the idea that you can say, here's the things I want to do today. Just figure it out. Like I can't, you know? Um, but I also don't, for me, uh, it would work sometimes, but I generally don't go for a whole day. I go, I pop in. I'm like, all right, I'm going to yeah. do two rides and then get the hell out of here. You're a popper. I mean, yeah. what I think this would be really good for is groups of people because, you know, when we yes. were, when, when Taryn and I were going with like all of our friends, like the Blobbers and, and, uh, you know, Bev's family and Terrence's family or whatever. Right. Yeah. It was always like, you get a crowd of 15 adults and you go, what do, what do you guys want to do? Well, I don't know. What do you, whatever you guys want is fine. You're like, Bleh. but if you're at the Airbnb the night before you go, okay, we want to do, what do you guys want to do? Okay. This is it. This is what we're doing. Everybody see this? Okay, great. Now we don't have to even talk. <laughs> that really is the goal. <laughs> not to talk to the people I know. That's right. It's the next best thing to being alone. That's right, baby. Let's go. <laughs> well, speaking of being alone, you won't be alone tonight. No. Oh. Because literally an hour and 45 minutes ago, Jelly Rolls reopened at Disney's Boardwalk Hotel. It sounds yummy. I don't know what it is. Do do you know you don't know what jelly rolls is? No. Jelly rolls it sounds like a food, a, and maybe I've been watching too much Great British Baking Show. You've been watching too much of that. <laughs> jelly rolls is a ju- <laughs> that the words that you said. I couldn't get it out. <laughs> That's right. Um, jelly rolls is a dueling piano bar that has been closed since March 2020, of course, due to COVID, but. It returns tonight. Nice. Popular night spot for guests 21 and over has pianists going head to head on baby grand pianos in front of the crowd. Uh, They'll take requests. It helps if you grease them a little, you know, don't go up empty handed. No. Have a five or something, you know, give them something. They'll play what you want. Guests can expect to pay the usual $15 cover charge for entry. And in accordance with Disney World policy, masks must be worn inside, but may be removed once guests are seated. So, you know what? 
jelly rolls. I f- like when I was doing the story today, I'm like, oh, when does that open? And I was like, oh, it's tonight. And then I was like, oh, damn, I'm recording. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you like, uh, hey, why aren't you there? But uh, now I know. <laughs> You're I should get a laptop and like be like, yeah, Jason, uh, it's a little loud in here, but <laughs> can you guys please cool it? I need to read a story for Jace. Yeah. I wrote Harmonia. I'm talking about Harmonious. <laughs> it sounds like that crowd would quiet down to hear your rant on Harmonious and then break yeah. out in spontaneous applause, stand up on their tables and say, oh, captain, my captain. Yeah, that's just exactly how I envision it. Maybe I would actually just take one of their microphones. I wouldn't even bring this one. I would just grab the one off the stage. You know what you need to do is, first of all, you need to find, I imagine there is such a place, a karaoke bar on Walt Disney World property. Yeah, there's one 10 steps away from Jelly Rolls. It's called Kimonos. There you go. You go there and you just read your blog post over (laughs) whatever music you want. Maybe I'll put my harmonious <laughs> blog post to music and play and sing it. Oh my god, like freeform jazz. <laughs> yeah, it's uh <laughs> That's my that's my impersonation of freeform jazz. Yeah, it does suck. Exactly. Oh god. Very good. Is that all of our stories? Tonight? No, I got one more. Oh. Yeah. You know what didn't suck, Jeremy? And I'm actually like very uh, I I I haven't laughed at a a thing that Disney has done so hard and so long. The Muppets Haunted Mansion came out last week. Have you seen that? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Sorry, I was drinking water and I came up for air a little too quickly. (laughs) Uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion rules. I don't say that very often about Disney stuff. I I do have sort of a a refined palette for entertainment, if you will. Yeah, um, the love guru. Oh my god, classic! All of that, homie. You don't even understand, love guru, baby. Um, Muppets on a Mansion was great. Uh, I recommend everybody seeing it. We got Disney Plus a couple months back, and it was the first thing as adults that we watched. We tried to watch it with Alice, but it was a little too scary for her. Oh, okay. Because there were a couple of scares, uh, you know, like a little sort of jump scare thing. Um, not bad, but. You know, it's for adults, but for a three and a half year old, she's like, I don't like this. I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm like, okay, that's very calm and measured of you (laughs) to say. Yeah, but you know what? Not for nothing. As a child watching the original Muppet movie, I was very scared. When Doc, what Doc Hopper, is that his name? And he puts Kermit in that electric chair and that thing's coming down on his head. I was terrified as a little, as a, you know, a little guy, five years old. So this is. So I think that's. You know, this is the thing that I've I've seen online recently this week about, um, you know, adults saying, hey, what recommendations for movies do you have for like kids, for toddlers or whatever, for Halloween movies? And people are going like, oh, and of course, now I can't remember the references, but like Ghostbusters or, you know, whatever. Right. Some 80s movies that you don't think are scary, but you're like for a four year old Ghostbusters would freak them out. And then so, you know, of course, the people are going, oh, well, this generation is soft. And when I was their age in the 80s, I was watching, you know, child's play when I was six and I'm fine. And it's like, yeah, but you don't you didn't have to be (laughs) fine. You know what I mean? Like, so I, yeah. it's it's sort of things that were PG back then were would be R now. 
or right. at least NC seventeen or whatever. And so that that goalpost has sort of shifted about what content is is appropriate for kids. It's not that it's going sure. to scare you, but it is sort of like an impactful. There are impactful moments that you wanna. You don't need to be as a six year old. You don't need to be forced into into uh, I don't know quote surviving watching a scary movie. Right. At least you know what it is. I didn't so know that Ghostbusters was a comedy until I was like eighteen. You know, <laughs> like when you're a little a little kid, I was just yeah. like, "Oh, this is a scary movie." When that when he goes when Venkman goes into the downstairs of the New York Public Library and the cards are flying out of the card catalog, oh my I was God. terrified. Get her. That still nice scares one. me. <laughs> nice one, Venkman. Well, Muppets on a Mansion classic definitely go check it out and if you're in disneyland or whatever in the uh lobby of the great moments with mr lincoln attraction um actually it opened already on friday on the 8th there is a behind the scenes making a uh, movie making exhibit in the lobby there oh that's cool yeah i think so too and i really want to see it and i don't know if i will be uh I will be able to anytime soon. This is your peek behind the curtain at the art and design that went into the production of the special itself. Walt Disney Imagineering's Danny Iglesias said during an online video interview, the rare behind the scenes look at the movie making process offers a glimpse at how Muppets puppeteers practice their craft. One of the things we're focusing on right now at the Muppet studio is the idea of the art of puppetry, said Iglesias. This is such an incredibly, wow. This is such an incredible handcrafted art form that's still alive, even in 2021 at a time with all of the digital prowess, which is a weird quote because yes, of what are you talking about? The art of puppetry? Yes, of course it is. That's why people like it. You, the, the, the way he says it, it's sort of, or she, I don't really know. I apologize, Danny. Um, it's sort of like, oh, we are doing this now because we're, we bought the Muppets. And so we are really focusing on the art of it. Like this is, that's, what has made the Muppets so popular? Right, what else form. would you be doing, you <laughs> dummy? Exactly. It seems really weird. Uh, the Muppets Haunted Mansion exhibit includes several pieces from the movie, including a seance scene that's expect, uh, that features Imagineers Kim Irvine, Imagineering's Kim Irvine, which I that scene is atrocious. She is, and I'm and I I I, I went into it. <laughs> I went into it uh, uh, trying to be objective. But Jeremy, so I'm just going to spoiler, right? So if you don't want to hear it, fast forward a minute. Um, Miss Piggy's the, you know, Madame Leota. She's in the ball and the scene sort of ends. And then she calls the maid over because the maid needs to clean her crystal ball or whatever. And it's Kim Irvine. And she's like this, the most wooden cardboard. She's like delivering a line to Miss Piggy. And it's just like, this is the words on the page right now. And right. then Miss Piggy says something, and it's like a traditional, you know, Muppet pun or some sort of Muppety thing, Muppet joke, right? And then it's like a medium shot on Kim Irvine, and she does she does an eye roll, but not only a one eye roll, she does the the rarely seen double eye roll. She goes like this. She goes. She goes like it's like, but it's the most like an eye roll. Your eyes go in a circle. But she did some sort of hox, hexagonal like it was just. I don't know what was going on. She couldn't control her body movements. She was very stiff, and I just didn't like it at all. I thought it was very, very bad. Was she like that Dwayne the Rock Johnson meme where he's like, (laughs) (laughs) no, not even that. It was there that because that would require control of her facial features. It was just like stone faced, but like this weird double eye roll. It's almost like she was doing an eye roll 
and then wasn't sure if she was actually doing it. So she did it again, but bigger with like a little head toss. And then the director goes, perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. Like I can just imagine this director, this poor guy going like, let's try it again a couple times. And then that was the best take. And they're like, someone was like, she's not going to get any better. This is just what we have. This is the producer's cousin. Let's just, it just is what it is. Well, that was what I was going to say is we probably got the best possible version of that. It's <laughs> exactly you what know, I told you. There, were, the there are some thing. that got edited out. Yeah, I know. What was left on the cutting room floor? <laughs> um, a funeral wreath and tiny coffins intended for Gonzo and Pepe the King Prawn from a mock funeral scene are also included in the exhibit alongside screen used props from a scene focusing on a Muppetized hearse. You can see how Gonzo's coffin is cut away so they can put their hand in there to puppeteer Gonzo. Kim Irvine said you can see the cut in the seat where Miss Piggy sits. It's got really fun ways of understanding how Muppeteering works. It's got really fun ways of understanding how Muppeteering works. Kim Irvine says this. (laughs) It's got great. It's got really fun ways. All right. Well, anyway, it has fun ways. Not it's got. Yeah. Or, or yeah, the exhibit has really f- a lot of fun way. It's, I don't know. It, it sounds like it's just more taken out of context than anything, but it's yeah. still a very odd sentence. Um, <laughs> You're not letting Irvine get away with anything. No, I, I would never do that to her. Uh, the Muppets <laughs> being the Muppets, they couldn't just leave the description plaques alone next to the exhibit displays. Quote, the Muppets have all gone and provided their own commentary about what the prop is or what their take on a particular artifact might be, Iglesias said. It's got some fun tongue-in-cheek humor in there as well. The relatively tight confines of the great moments with Mr. Lincoln Lobby made it difficult to install some of the larger movie pieces uh, to emulate Disneyland's haunted mansion in a Muppets way. So anyway, basically Kim Irvine, I think sounded sounds like she curated this. So, blah. but anyway, it sounds really great. So if you're in the Disneyland area and you guys are going to the parks, definitely pop in and check it out. I loved it. The artwork. I mean, they did such a great job, even with you know that famous um, uh, wallpaper design with like sort of like the man eating plant and kind of spins out everyone yeah. copies on everything. They yeah. made they they muppetized that. <clears throat> And they just did such a good job and they replicated the corridor of doors and the, the wainscoting and the hallway and like just such yeah. an amazing, amazing uh, attention to detail. They even like made fun of the ride and how it breaks down all the time. It's just, I mean, just good <laughs> stuff. It was, I don't think it needed to be an hour. I was actually really shocked that it was an hour. Probably could have cut it to 45, but that's my only, that's my only notes. Good movie. Good show. Watch it. Well, as you know, my ear is always to the ground of Diz Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And so, it really is, man. While I haven't watched this, uh, I have seen a lot of the reaction and a lot, and it's overwhelmingly positive. Everyone has a similar reaction to you. And I thought, as someone who has liked the Muppets much longer than I've liked Disney, mm-hmm. uh, I was very happy to hear that people are responding well to it because. You know, after 20, what, 20 some odd years, maybe even longer of Disney having this franchise and they have dropped the ball literally every single time. I can't think of one successful or one good Muppet iteration yes. that they've done so that, that, that they finally come out and done something that's true Muppets and works. It makes me happy. Agreed. I mean, I did like the 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 Muppet reboot on ABC when they're like in like an office style setting. I really liked that. Taryn and I liked it, and we were really disappointed when it went off the air. I don't know what 
the disconnect wasn't was I don't know. I don't know what the disconnect was. But yeah, I was nervous about this, to be honest with you, because Disney does sort of have a track record of, you know, people like to to say I'm super negative about stuff and whatever. But it's like if you just look at it practically, they have a track record of acquiring IP and then sort of destroying it. (laughs) Whatever they're doing is is making money, but it's making money from a nostalgia aspect of, well, I have to see this like. I'm hate watching some stupid Netflix show right now. And it's like, I hate this thing, but I, I'm, and now I'm invested. So now I'm just watching it, even though I hate myself for doing it. Sort of the way I feel about watching a, another Star Wars content or Marvel movie or whatever. It's like, well, I just, now I want to see. Now I'm invested. But right. with the Muppets, they, I feel like they had a hard time doing that. When they pulled them out of DCA. My heart was broken. Um, but I like it. I, I think that this was, uh, they, they pulled it off, Jeremy. I was definitely worried about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's all well, I got. I'm happy. Yeah, well, good, man. I'm happy. If if you're happy that I'm happy, that makes me happy. Good. <laughs> you know what else? <laughs> Speaking of Star Wars, I will after just after you know saying what I did because I I do feel like I should be a little uh, let people know when I do enjoy things. The um, oh, I forget the stupid thing now. But um, on Disney Plus, the Star Wars uh, little vignettes that are reimagined by anime um, houses in Japan. I watched for the first episode of those. Awesome. Great. Oh. Yeah. Good stuff. Normally, I don't like like weird takes on Disney un- or uh, Star Wars universe, but it's like, you know, you have a robot in feudal Japan with like bamboo hat and stuff. And it's just, I don't know, man, it's really cool. So if you're okay, into, cool. if you're into samurai stuff or just alternate takes on uh, Star Wars universe, I forget what it's called, but you'll find it. <laughs> I know things. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, <laughs> everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed Jeremy's rant about Harmonious, you can go to spectroradio.us and uh, hit his blog and read the whole thing with your own two eyeballs or well, three eyeballs. I don't know. Whatever you, however many eyeballs yeah. you want, man. Check it out. Um, anything cool going on on Spectro Radio, Jeremy? Cool music hours happening? Or Right now is uh, 7 p.m. nightly, all out Animal Kingdom. All Animal Kingdom music, 6 p.m. nightly, all Halloween music. And, of course, because it's October, Halloween music sprinkled in throughout the day from Disney parks around the world. And you might catch Hollowishes at night during the nighttime spectacular show. It starts every night at 930 Eastern. There you go, everybody. Um, for those of you listening live, I know last time I said that we were going to come back on the 21st for our spooky stories. But I think we're changing that now to the 28th. A little scheduling conflicts. Uh, Terrence has to go do some stuff, and I really want Terrence to be here for the show. So I think we're going to move mountains to make this young man uh, be able to to come in and, and tell his stories. And it also gives me another week to actually do it. <laughs> so there you go. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>